Hello, everyone, and welcome to podcast episode number eight of the Tick Bootcamp podcast. My name is Richard Johannesson. And I'm Matt Sabatello. And the title of episode eight of our podcast is Life in the Limelight, a graphic artist's contribution to Lyme disease. Our, our guest today is an inspirational young woman named Lauren Walters. Lauren is a recent college graduate from SUNY New Paltz, where she, gra- where she graduated with a degree in graphic arts but she also studied psychology. Inspired by a Lyme disease journey that negatively transformed her best friend's life, Lauren created a uh, beautiful site called Life in the Limelight. The project started out as a graphic design thesis of awareness and inspiration for those who have Lyme disease. In the project, volunteers were given questions. First, how has Lyme disease affected your life? And second, what inspires you? Stories are then posted to highlight the diversity and severity of Lyme disease in hopes of spreading awareness and creating a support system for those that already have it to know that they're not alone. Lauren has continued to develop this Life in the Limelight project despite graduating from college and ending that project, which has become a visually beautiful awareness campaign and online support community that is shedding light on the Lyme disease epidemic. Welcome, Lauren Walters. Hi. Lauren, we'd like to start by thanking you again for joining us on this interview and jump right in to get some questions about your background. So, Lauren, can you speak a little bit about your background and your experience with Lyme disease? Yeah, so like you said, I graduated from SUNY New Paltz. Um, that was in 2015. And I got my BFA in graphic design, and then I also did like a psychology minor. Um, so basically, I got involved in the Lyme disease community because my childhood best friend has Lyme. Um, I don't have Lyme. Um, and Thank God. so, yeah, I know a lot of people assume I have it that don't know my story, but this is why it's good I'm sharing it right now. Um, so basically, I found that I had to do a thesis, and I knew I wanted to do it about Lyme disease. I just didn't know what or how, because obviously if I could make a cure, I would. Um, But really my best friend um, often would say that he kind of felt like he was alone in his battles. Um, And so I did more research, and basically the documentary Under Our Skin really inspired me. At the time, um, only the first one was out, and... I was really struck by how listening to each person's story and kind of following that along, it just really was more impactful than, you know, just hearing some facts. It just made it more real, like it could happen to anyone. Um, And then after doing more research, (laughs) finding out about how Lyme affects people differently, I mean, there's a lot of similarities too, but... Um, just how it can kind of affect any system and it changes and all of that. So that's why I started sharing stories because I feel like it really highlights that. Um, And so for graph design-wise, I made the website um, and then I decided with my psychology stuff, I really liked visually. um, I found that awareness symbols are either, you know, a ribbon or butterfly wings. And so I was really, um, I thought the wings were just a great logo because wings represent, you know, a lot of things, different people, but to me they represented freedom. And so I felt like learning more about the Lyme community, um, I just wanted to get people 
to feel like they had that again. Um, so I wanted to provide a platform for anyone to share their voice um, and their story, their journey, how Lyme has impacted them, and then um, they have a chance to make their own butterfly wings, um, which is kind of cool. It's just like a little expressive thing. Um, but I know often a lot of people are too sick to do that, so I can do them too. But um, so there's a story, the butterfly, and um, also what inspires each person. Um, because what inspires you might inspire someone else. And, yeah, so I think it's just really neat. Um, so I have the website, has all the stories. And then I did social media because, I don't know, I just thought I could reach anyone in the world, and that was just really cool to me. <laughs> um, and then, so when, yeah, so. Question, so when did, when did this project start? When did this initiative start? Um, you know, can you talk to us about, you know, when you began this journey, um, you know, how, what your experience was like while you were going through it, and I believe you kept this from your friend, right, and it was more of a surprise when you launched this initiative. So can you talk to us yeah. about, you know, the, the beginning, some of the struggles you went through, um, the hurdles, how you overcame them, and really mm -hmm. just beginning your journey a little bit? Yeah, so um, I, it's a year-long thesis project, um, but because I was in school, I had to go through the whole um, research department or whatever it is because I was associated with the school, so I had to get it approved and all that stuff with the board, which is frustrating. And I had to set it up. Um, I remember doing the form, and it was like as if it was an interview, and I was like, it's not really an interview. I'm asking like two questions. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that was kind of one thing. I had to wait to launch until that. Um, and then so originally was, I was... So there was, oh, was this sorry. positively received by the professors who were reviewing your proposal? Um, <laughs> well, my graphic design professors, they're amazing. I love them. But they, since we are in the Hudson Valley, they're kind of like the whole thing that people say, like, oh, everyone knows about Lyme disease. Oh, like, you just take the antibiotic and whatever. I was like, no, this is why I have to do this. <laughs> Right. Um, so, you, so, so your initial of, resistance, yeah. your initial resistance was people believed that there was a great deal of Lyme awareness and that it was yeah. a an easily resolvable illness. Yeah, and it's funny because I would talk to my psychology professors, even though it was my graph design thesis, and they were all for it. <laughs> so at least you know it's not that I didn't have my graphic design support, but I did have that kind of frustrating thing, but it just motivated me more. Um, and besides that, I didn't really have any hurdles. I mean, I was just kind of myself was the hurdle because I cared so much about it. And I had never done a project like that where I just, it was hard to start because I wanted it to be perfect and everything. And actually, originally, I didn't have the inspiration question. It was just um, butterfly in the question. But one of the first stories I got was actually from the Netherlands, which is funny. <laughs> but um, And she, I think, included a quote or something like that. And I was like, wow, okay, like a little inspirational quote at the end. And I was like, that's really cool because I realized, um, you know, I kind of internalize every story. I Every time I get a story, I read it and I cry. <laughs> and I, uh, I don't know, I just still care so much. But... And I want the stories to be real, as real as you um, want them to be and want to share, but it does get kind of sad 
So I think the inspiration part is a nice little, like, pick-me-up thing, too. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, so Lauren, did, did you find this was a, a, an over, you know, sort of an overnight success that you got, it got popular very quickly, or was this more of a gradual process where you had to get people to feel comfortable submitting their stories through your website mm-hmm. and through your social media? Yeah, so I didn't launch the website. I think it was in uh, maybe March or something like that. Of It had to have been 2015. Um, because that's when I finally got the approval from whatever. I remember I had to do some kind of test too. But anyway, <laughs> um, after doing all that, and I was finally able to launch, I had already just, I think I had already started the social media a little bit just for like feelers. And I found just, which is the cool psychology thing, my language, how I presented myself, also affected how people would interact. So in the beginning, I wanted it to sound, you know, professional, like this organization thing. So I would say, we um, share your story with us, like blah, blah, like we, us, things like that. And I was also remaining anonymous because I didn't want my friend to find out. And um, so basically, I found that people weren't willing to, you know, share something so personal um, with someone or somewhere they didn't know where it was going and for what reason kind of. And then I found um, the more I said, oh, like, it's just me behind the story, then people were like, okay, like, I'll tell my story with you. Um, And then I ended up um, sharing the whole project with my friend at the thesis BFA show at the end of the year in May, which is Awareness Month, which is really cool. Um, But by that point, people... They didn't know who I was unless I private messaged them, and I was like fine doing that. Like, um, and I would just say Lauren. I wouldn't say my last name too. Um, and so yeah, I found that people were kind of too scared to share something so personal, which is obvious to me now. But at the time, I was like, oh, share your story, blah blah blah. But so, um, so you yeah. you initially had some challenges um, at the yeah. uh, university level, and then you had some. Mm-hmm personal challenges that you had to overcome in part uh, based on the way you were communicating with folks and in part based on your desire to remain um, anonymous because you didn't want to um, hurt this friend that inspired you. Uh, But Mm -hmm. let me ask you about uh, maybe what I would consider the biggest challenge you had to overcome is that you're the curator of some very, very powerful stories. Uh, how How did you feel about the responsibility of properly presenting these really powerful stories? Um, I still can't believe I'm doing it. <laughs> but no, I feel like it's a huge responsibility. Um, I'm still so honored that anyone shares their story with me and then I get to share it. Um, but I think... Um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, no, I, you know, I, I understand. I mean, it, it, it is... And, and, and we, we just want to compliment you. I mean, we're inspired by you, and we're inspired by the way you're graphically portraying these very powerful, powerful mm-hmm. stories. So you, you, um, you deserve uh, a lot of credit for uh, the very responsible way you're curating these stories and developing these stories and presenting these stories. It's beautifully done. It's respectfully done, and, and, and it is an inspiration. So we, we, we love what you're doing, and we want you to know that. Yeah, Lauren, you really Thank tapped you. into your skills 
and your talents to build this service for people to really help the Lyme community, and we really commend that. Can you think of one particular story or example that you'd like to share with us that really sums up your early experiences in the Lyme disease world? Um, let me think. <laughs> uh, well, one thing that was really cool was in the beginning, um, this is like maybe eight stories in or something like that. So this is before I said who I was. Um, you can kind of search just, you know, your website URL or things like that, even on Facebook. And if someone posts something and it's public on their profile, it will come up. So I thought it was really neat because then people started talking about my project. Because um, at the time, there wasn't that many. Now I feel like there's a lot of awareness things, which is great. Um, but at the time, I feel like there wasn't a lot of ways people could express themselves. I mean, I feel like Facebook groups started, and that was kind of nice because people could support each other that way. Um, but I don't know, like you said, I just wanted to present it in a beautiful way um, and just make a spotlight for each person to share their voice. Um, but one story that I loved, I mean, I love each one, but this artist who ended up stop, um, stopped making art because of Lyme, um, she sh shared, she sent in a story and she made this beautiful butterfly. She drew it out um, and has like a giant tick on it. Um, but um, she did a Facebook post and she didn't know it was just me behind it. So she said, oh, I just found this page and they say, to like she copied and pasted what I say on the website to make your own butterfly with whatever you want, blah, blah, blah. So she decided this is her opportunity to try to get back into art and drawing. And she sat down and took it as a challenge. And even though she would have to take breaks and whatever, she still was able to draw this amazing, beautiful butterfly. So it was a chance for her to just take a moment for herself and reconnect with herself too um so that was really cool and she's in california um but yeah she's one of the first stories and then someone ended up here uh i think it was a few years later getting a tattoo of that <laughs> which I, was also really that. neat that, that was really cool although the colors are different yeah. in the tattoo than in the drawing yeah right? yeah so the yeah. tattoo i don't know that person i think has a child that has something it's not Lyme disease. I don't know if it was MS or I don't know what it was. But, yeah, but I still thought that was really neat because somehow I made this little, you know, ripple effect of um, just spreading awareness. And that was just really eye-opening to me. I was like, oh, my God, like I just, I started that and then she did that. And then, <laughs> yeah, so that was really neat for me. Can you, can you, uh, you know, in your opinion, over the, you know, the past four years you've been doing this, have, do you believe that, that the, world in, the world of Lyme disease is different now than it was when you first started four years ago, that the stories are a little bit different, that maybe people have a little bit more hope, less hope, the stories have changed mm -hmm. in any way? Can you speak to that a little bit? Unfortunately, I feel like the stories haven't really changed. Okay. I mean, I've never really thought about it, <laughs> but it seems like the pattern um, of, people, you know, not finding out till sometimes years later that they have Lyme and then struggling to find the right treatment. Um, but I did share, later on I did share a story. Um, it was actually my best friend's mom, which was kind of interesting because that wasn't someone that has Lyme. It was just how 
um, just another person that is affected that doesn't have Lyme disease. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like, I mean, maybe if people share um, also what treatment they're doing, that's what changes. Um, because I'm open to sharing that too. I mean, I'm not sure there's exactly one cure for Lyme, but if you want to share what helps you, I think that's neat too. Um, so maybe that's changed. People are doing different treatments. But when I started, I remember um, the CDC guidelines. That was when they said that um, it wouldn't Lyme wouldn't last after the 30 days or whatever. And then after I started was when they finally said, they, I think they still don't say chronic exists, but they say, oh, it can last longer. So that changed. Um, yeah. But one of the things my professors said, they, they're like, well, what if in, in this time frame of you doing your thesis, they create a cure for Lyme? And I was like, well, that'd be great. And I was like, said, the point of my story, though, is um, kind of how it affects you. And I think even if there is a cure, it's still affected your life. And um, besides Lyme, I feel like this kind of platform could, um, you know, be used for other invisible illnesses as well, but my focus is definitely Lyme disease. <laughs> Lauren, from, from your research and all of your studies that you put into Lyme disease, what tools have you found are, are the best tools or platforms people can use that are both online and offline, such as blogs, social support groups on social media platforms, uh, whether it be a, a book for an offline tool or an in-person support group. Do you have any, any recommendations mm -hmm. for people that are suffering as far as uh, forms they can go to both online and offline? Yeah, so I think I'm still kind of updating it, but I have on my website, I tried to find little like real in-person support groups and I think every state I was trying to work on that. So if anyone has links to that, feel free to send me them and I'll add them to my site. But um, I definitely think Facebook has a huge community. Instagram community has grown immensely, and that's pretty neat because that's my biggest um, follower um, page is Instagram. And I feel like Instagram is so nice because you can share a picture, and it could be something where well, I share, like, the butterflies and then um, a quote from each story, and then they can go to the website. But Instagram is nice because you can share... I don't know, just imagery is so impactful for me. So I've seen people share, um, like, pictures of a table full of all their pills, and it's just crazy. And then you're like, wow, um, you know, it's just so, I don't know, just the imagery of it is impactful. But, so yeah, Instagram kind of took off, but that's kind of, I feel like, more um, if you want to share your personal journey and, things like that to express yourself. But I think Facebook groups are good. Um, I've seen that there's local Facebook groups. I know the larger um, Lyme disease awareness pages, kind of some of them were public, and it's kind of hard um, to moderate. I would talk to the moderators. Um, and, you know, anyone could go on there, and then the people that maybe think Lyme disease doesn't exist or just, you know, Internet trolls, would get on there, and I remember posting before to try to um, campaign for stories when I started. Uh, they, the moderators messaged me and were like, oh, you probably shouldn't do that because they're going to, um, you know, get on your site and all this stuff. So I was like, oh, no. 
But so I think the smaller Facebook groups are more intimate. I mean, um, I don't know how it is now, but I know a few years ago that's how it was, unfortunately. Um, And I know there's people on Twitter, too, which is a nice, fast way to just share a little sentence or something like that. But, um, yeah, so I think Facebook groups and then also um, in-person support groups, too. Yeah, so we, it's funny you bring that up because we've noticed just this past week we've been pretty active on social media, both uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook, and mm-hmm. Instagram. And one of our posts got caught up in a chain of, uh, you know, this, this attack against the, the lawn community. And it's just mm-hmm. amazing that people still go out there in a public forum and just start attacking people that are, that are horribly sick and attacking the lawn community. So we had our first taste of that this week on Twitter. Oh, no. And you feel right about it. <laughs> Yeah, it's so sad. It really isn't. And you're so right about Instagram. I think there's such a, such a component to the imagery on Instagram where people, you know, Lyme patients that finally get their diagnosis and are going through their treatment find it therapeutic mm-hmm. almost to post their journey, you know, day by day on Instagram. And so many people that we've communicated with say that it really helps them kind of get through and share their story and feel like they, they have a purpose while they're going through that journey and getting their treatment. So I think that's a major component to Instagram, definitely. So that, that sort of leads us to the next uh area of questions I wanted to address with you, and that is that what we're finding during the course of our interviews is that folks who are suffering from Lyme disease find themselves isolated. Uh, They're, uh, in many cases, um, isolated even from their own families because they're not well enough to interact with uh, their own family members. And one of the things that inspired us about your project is that you're the next level of, um, of support for uh, a, a, a Lyme sufferer, or a, what do we call it? A Lyme. Lyme uh, <laughs> uh, And that is it. Uh, we, we hear from a lot of folks who we've interviewed that um, they are isolated from their social circles, and they, uh, and they, in many cases, have no interaction with anyone other than their family. So can you talk to us a little bit about what inspired you as a friend to uh, pursue this journey? Yeah, so often, um, I mean, my friend, we lived upstate in New York, so there's less people (laughs) than New York City where I am now, but um, basically, he's pretty private too, so sometimes I can understand that, being sick, you don't want to share things um, at the time, but yeah, basically... I don't know. There, there was a small in-person support group in Central New York, um, but Central New York is kind of big. <laughs> so often right. people, you know, and if they're sick, it's hard to go to. But I think that's right. why it's great. Um, Facebook kind of took off to people. You know, you can make a new Facebook profile, and it can just be about Lyme. Because I know sometimes people on their pro- personal Facebook, when they discover they have Lyme, they um, will kind of, they'll be discovering themselves, so all of a sudden they'll be sharing all this information, and it's so eye-opening, and then people, it kind of can, unfortunately contributes to people turning away, um, and so that's why I encourage people, you know, share awareness, don't shove it down people's throats, <laughs> even though I want to. But um, it's also nice to, I've seen so many people, talk to so many people that um, made their own Lyme page, and this is just to express themselves. Um, and I encourage people to do that because I think it's important. And then they create, they make all these connections with other Lymeys, 
And it's great. Like one of the most recent stories I shared, she just started a Facebook page um, because I encouraged her to. She had never shared her story before. And um, I just loved the way she wrote. And I think she's in Texas. And um, I was like, wow, your writing is really amazing and you should start a page. (laughs) So then she did, which is really neat. Um, And then she actually did a talk. um, I think it was at her church or something. She did a talk a few weeks ago and so many people had questions for her, which is great because then, like I said, it starts this ripple effect of spreading awareness. Um, And I love sharing other awareness pages too because there's so many now and I'm totally for helping other pages and, you know, um, just sharing thing, information and stuff like that. But so, yeah, I started because one, my, yeah. <laughs> one, of the things that, one of the things that some of the lineys have told me, uh, as recently mm-hmm. last week I interviewed a woman from Scotland, uh, was that she didn't want her life's narrative to be a narrative about her illness. And she said when mm-hmm. she went out, uh, when she felt well enough to socialize with her friends, uh, she didn't want to talk about Lyme disease. Can you share with us any insights that you've gained as a friend uh, about mm-hmm. how you can speak with um, a Lyme so that you're not forcing them to, um, to face this as their, their life's narrative? Yeah, so... I mean, I think it's important to express yourself when you need to, you know, cry when you need to, things like that. But you also need to live your life. And sometimes um, just forgetting about Lyme and the co-infection and things like that or any illness you have is also good. (laughs) So you're not dwelling on it and focusing on it. Um, With my friend, it was kind of like I have my own health issues too, so that's how we got even closer. Um, Even though we're going to school, I think it's like six hours apart or something crazy like that, we still would talk every day, um, especially our freshman year. And um, so really, it's just kind of, I find you just have to be there for someone if they want to talk to you. Um, It's all about language. And, you know, I noticed with invisible illness, it's hard sometimes for people that have never been sick to understand kind of, and they're like, oh, you look fine though, so like what's wrong with you? <laughs> or something right. like that. And um, But you just, yeah, you just kind of have to be there for them and listen when they want to share things um, and just let them know that you're there. Um, because I would never, you know, pressure my friend to be like, what's going on and all that, but um, just letting your friend or whoever has Lyme is going through this to know that you're there is, I think, a huge thing. Letting that person know that there's this support network, I think, makes a huge difference. Lauren, one one final thought that I'm thinking of here is I know you've typically shared what you've, you've, you know, tried to share at least one story a month with your followers, but you've taken on this effort, as you, you noted earlier, I believe, that you're trying to get one story per day for May, the month of uh, Lyme disease awareness. So are you close to that goal? Do you need, um, do you need more stories? You know, wh- wh- where are you at with that? And um, you know, we think that's a very, a very honorable thing that you're doing to get a story out per day for Lyme disease awareness month, and it's a great, great initiative that you're taking on. Yeah, so I always try to do something for May because it's awareness month. Um, 
but I've always wanted to share a story a day for me, and I just never got around to doing it. So this year, um, I mean, we're a few weeks out, but I'm really trying to do that. And so it would be great if people could send their story, which I know I've shared a lot of stories that are huge um, essays, but it doesn't have to be that. And I know some people are too sick to do that too. So I'm fine with people just doing a little poem or just a few sentences, anything to kind of get out there what they want to express. Um, and then the butterfly is optional too. I mean, I can bust a bunch out for me, hopefully. Um, but yeah, that's something I'd really love to do. I I don't know how many I have so far, but I definitely need probably at least half of many still. Um, and that'd be great. If I could get so it's important story. to note, like you said, that people can provide a couple of sentences, just a little, a little summary mm-hmm. of their journey. Um, and if they're too sick to work on the butterfly, you could, you could take care of that. It's optional to submit the butterfly, mm-hmm. just to have even a brief story per day to get out there to really, to really drive the point home for, for Lyme Disease Awareness Month. Um, and that's, that's a, we feel like that's a great cause, so we, we commend you on that. So, Lauren, before we let you go, uh, I'm looking at your Instagram page, which, as I've said many times, I don't want to sound uh, too weird about this. It is absolutely beautiful. Um, <laughs> you. You, um, you have right in the center post, what has Lyme disease taught you? So I'd like you to sum up uh, this podcast with us, with you sharing with our listeners, what has Lyme disease taught you? Oh, so many things. <laughs> um, well, even just doing this project, I've gained so many friends. It's incredible um, because each story is pretty personal too. And like I said, I feel so honored connecting with people in that way. And every time I get a story, I stop what I'm doing and I read it. And I am just so thankful for each person and I try to write to each person personally. Um, no one else is doing behind my project too. So if people want to remain anonymous, that's fine. Um, but yeah, so, (laughs) um, I forgot what to say. (laughs) Well, that that, that is is powerful, Lauren, you're doing a, you're doing a, a really beautiful service to the folks in the Lyme community and folks outside of the Lyme community. And we, we really thank you for, uh, sharing so many insights to, uh, folks who are dealing with Lyme disease themselves, uh, the family members of uh, people who are dealing with Lyme disease and the challenges that Lyme disease presents, and even more importantly, the friends and the social circle of the people who are, um, who are uh, facing the Lyme disease challenges. You, you've offered uh, some beautiful insights today during the course of your, um, uh, your kindness in speaking with us, and you are an absolute inspiration uh, to um, everyone in the Lyme community. So again, thank you, Lauren, for sharing with us uh, your inspirational presentation. And now I'm going to uh, give our listeners our call to action first. I'd like to invite you to check out Lauren's beautiful and inspirational site. Uh, please, please visit um, lifeinthelimelight.org or email lifeinthelimelight at gmail.com, especially those of you who have not yet contributed your Lyme stories. Lauren does need another 30, I'm sorry, 15 stories. I'm uh, sorry. And we're just going to correct you. Yeah, it's actually like in limelight.org, Lauren. Oh. Is that correct? There's no the? Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. Thank you. Uh, life in, in limelight at gmail.com. We need at least another 15 of our Lime listeners to share 
uh, their stories with, uh, with Lauren. And, and Lauren, I, I'd assume that if, if folks are suffering from some other uh, tick-related disease, you'd also accept their stories as well? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm up for anything. <laughs> right, right. Um, I definitely think it's about ticks, you know, they have all the co-infections, so I think it's important to highlight all of that. Um, and, yeah, so on social media, all the handles are um, Life and Limelight as well. Um, it's on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and it's also on Tumblr. I don't know if anyone's still on that. Um, and, yeah, my, you can send your story through my email or there's um, you can go on the website. It's under the page Share Your Story if you want to do that because that just goes to my email. Um, or you can just message me on any of the social media channels. And if you already wrote your story, maybe on an Instagram post or something like that, just share that with me too. Like that's cool, I'll share that. And if you want me, if you have a blog or something like that, um, and feel comfortable, you know, not being anonymous, that I can tag your blog, blog if you're sharing your journey at the end of the story if people want to follow you, um, follow along. But thank you so much for um, asking me to do this. Well, th and thank you for agreeing to it. And, and Lauren, we want feedback. Um, we're asking our listeners if they have feedback that they'd like to share. We would ask them to please leave a note in the comment section. Our third call to action is if they've enjoyed this episode. Uh, we're asking um, uh, if, if you've enjoyed this episode on uh, community and the autistic outlet uh, for people battling Lyme disease, we're asking you to please share it with your friends and using the social media buttons at the bottom of the post. Uh, fourth, uh, please don't forget to subscribe. Uh, to the show on iTunes and get automatic episode updates uh, for our Tick Bootcamp podcast. And finally, please take a minute to leave us an honest review and rating on iTunes. Uh, they really help us. This is a new effort for uh, those of us at Tick Bootcamp, and we'd really like to get some input about how we could develop the podcast and a podcast that you'd like to listen to. We promise you we listen to and read every single um, one of your reviews. So thank you, uh, listeners. Thank you, Lauren. And I'm Rich Johannesson. Matt Sabatello, and we're tickbootcamp.com.